Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. Welcome to season four. Well, guys, on this episode of the Let's Get Real podcast, we are joined by our good friend, AJ Vaden. AJ is co-founder and CEO of Brand Builders Group, an international speaker, a million-dollar producer, and the co-host of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. In recent months, AJ and her husband, Rory, who is also a New York Times bestselling author, have been a huge encouragement to Trish and me as we've launched Refinest Ministries full-time. Their organization, Brand Builders Group, have provided us wisdom and direction and resources as we desire to help couples restore hope and renew relationships. Now, we've known AJ and Rory for several years. In fact, I officiated their wedding over 10 years ago. So this conversation was amazing. As we start 2024, we wanted to share AJ's story of setbacks and heartache, disappointment, but also resilience. She's going to give you hope and courage as you start a new year. Before we dive in, we want to invite you to join us for a weekend at the Virgin Hotel on Music Row in downtown Nashville, May 3rd through the 5th for the Refine Us Weekend Experience. We are moving our Refine Us Weekend back to Nashville, and it is going to be an incredible weekend. So if you desire transformation in your marriage relationship, this weekend is for you. Go to refineus.org slash weekend for more information. Well, without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with AJ Vaden. Well, we are here with AJ Vaden on the Let's Get Real podcast. And AJ, as Trish said before we started recording, before she even came on, she's like, she is one amazing woman and she is an unbelievable leader. She's a wife. She's a mom. And so AJ, thanks so much for being with us on the Let's Get Real podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. So fun. Well, I'm excited. To, we're excited to dive into your story and just kind of learn a little bit more about you. This podcast is about life, love, and leadership, and you kind of fit into all of those categories. <laughs> That's what we're about it. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I'm excited just to kind of hear a little bit about kind of your journey, your faith, and um, just your leadership as a, a, a businesswoman. So we're excited to dive in. Yeah. Yes. So before we dive into those things, we'd love just to hear a little bit about you, your family, your, you know, all those good things. Oh my gosh. Uh, you'll have to rein me in. Um, but <laughs> I, I'll say um, a little bit about me. Um, I am, let's see, I think these are the highlights of me right now as I just turned 40, uh, which uh, I'm so excited about. Actually, I turned 40 just a few months ago. And I have so many friends that have been dreading turning 40 or they're just like, well, I've hit my peak. And um, I was actually <laughs> the opposite. Uh, I, I've, I've been the opposite and I'm, I'm really proud of myself for feeling so good about being 40. And mm. I feel like I entered 40 better than I entered 30. I'm in a better place physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, um, so I've been bracing my 40s. I'm very excited about 40s. Um, so that would be like a highlight of a little bit about me. I, uh, as a 40-year-old, I have uh, an amazing husband that I've had. We have been married 13 years together for almost 16 years, but married for 13. We have two awesome uh, little wild Men, uh, they are awesome and wild. I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Actually, um, 
I have my kids, they're in like a homeschool hybrid program, which we adore. Um, but on uh, Tuesdays after their tutorial, they have Spanish and they've both been taking Spanish for two years and we're at Spanish class last night. And I'm like walking laps around this church where Spanish is like doing just some like work catch up phone calls. And at the end, I see the teacher walking every student out to their parents one by one, which is very unusual. Usually the door is open and a barrage of children run out and then we leave. And I was like, oh, maybe she's reminding everyone about Thanksgiving. Maybe she's doing a Christmas program update. But as it gets fewer and fewer children, I'm like, I feel like something is in the air. Something has happened. And I'm on the phone and she walks up. She goes like, are you on the phone? And I'm like, not anymore. <laughs> Hang up. Did she say it in English or Spanish? English. <laughs> yes. And she goes, well, we've had an incident again. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And I knew where this was going. So my four-year-old is, uh, his name is Liam Kingston. Uh, and that means mighty warrior from the king, Ooh, or, you know, King that. Jesus. And Liam is all things mighty warrior. <laughs> and there's another kid that had been teasing him at school. So a few weeks ago, we punched him. He's four. Um, and then last night, he decided that uh, he was going to teach this other kid a lesson. And as the kid was standing up, he walked behind him unbeknowing to this other small child and pulled the chair out from underneath them, caused the kid to fall, hit his chin, hit his head. And Liam gets kicked out of school. Oh my goodness. And so I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, what is happening? So there's lots of that in my life. There's a lot of uh, that. Uh, so that's a, that takes up a lot of extra time of two very physical, um, two little boys. We have an awesome business. Our business just celebrated five years, Brand Builders Group. Um, feel overly blessed and abundant in all things love, life, and faith. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Well, to encourage you, our <laughs> I knew. I was like, one of us is going to go there. Our son, Elijah, got kicked out of a Christian preschool Yeah, uh, when he was three for biting. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a full functioning adult now that loves the Lord and loves us. And he hasn't bitten anyone in a really long time. <laughs> Probably the lesson that Liam needs. Um, but it's like, you know, it's funny. I always tease uh, one of our teammates who's been with us for almost 15 years. Uh was over at our house one day after work because we're real close. And uh, she was listening to me talk to the kids. And she was like, oh, I get it now. It's like, you have to lead us all day. And then you have to come home and lead these two humans. And she was like, I'm like, yeah, I'm tired. Yes. Yes. You get it. I'm so glad. It's great. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, you know, this is what I, I, I have learned about you over the past couple of months. We'll talk a little bit why I've been spending a little bit more time with you all. Um, but you are so honest with both the good and the bad. And I think for many of us, we're one or the other. We focus mm -hmm. on all the good and want everybody to think, oh, we're good. This is so good. Or we're like, everything's always bad, nothing, you know. And so I love that you find the balance of, you know, both the good and bad. So tell us a little bit about just kind of your trajectory 
from where you are today, if we could kind of go back, like you were in the business world uh, today, you've been in the business world for a long time and I can't wait to like for you to share what you've done over the past several years. But like growing up, were you like a business minded kid or leader of people? No, uh, I was not. I, I really wasn't. Um, you know, it's funny. I, we were just talking about this. I've been really into the concept of epigenetics. And okay. so it's been a really fascinating thing for me as, I, as I've become a mom. And so I've been reading this book called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. And it's an amazing book around how um, genetically we pass down our traumatic events. We pass down feelings and emotions and we pass trauma from generation to generation. And I never noticed it before until I had kids. And I'm like watching my kids do stuff. And I'm like, I know they got that from me, but I had all these life events that I could trace to this behavior. They don't have those. So mm. they inherit this? And the answer is yes. Yes, they did. Mm. And so no, as a kid, I was actually, I was a pretty shy kid. Um, I would say, and, and my parents maybe wouldn't say shy, but I was not one that was overly bold or entrepreneurial or a, a leader of the friends. I really wasn't. Uh, I don't think a lot of that happened until my high school and college years. And really probably um, my mom was diagnosed uh, with cancer when my freshman year of high school, I was 13 and uh, it was terminal, but her and my father decided not to tell the kids that it was terminal uh, for two reasons, I believe. One, I believe my mom thought she would really be healed. We had mm -hmm. seen miracles in our family before, uh, and uh, we had a horrible car accident. Uh, we saw God work. And I really believe my mom thought we would see it again. And so I really believed, um, and I, there was lots of proof. We found so many emails and letters of all these prayer groups she was a part of that she really thought he would heal her. Um, mm -hmm. And so she was like, I don't want to burden my kids with this. Uh, and then I think the other part is they didn't want to disrupt the normal family functioning unit. So they decided not to tell us, um, but she did die. She died 18 months later when I was 15. And so it was one of those unique times where my, my father knew it was terminal and he had the opportunity to process and mourn and plan for this, you know, separation that happened when my mom died and um, us kids did not. So when my mom passed away, my dad very quickly was like, okay, now we've got to make moves. He sold our house. He packed up all of her things. I came home from school one day and all of her things were just gone. The house was on the market three months later. We moved 45 minutes away from my hometown and it was traumatic. Uh, and I was bitter and angry and uh, also on my own. My dad mm -hmm. started dating pretty soon after him and my mom had plans. They had talked about it. But we weren't involved in that. And so I found myself at 16, six months after my mom died, and I was pretty much on my own. I was making my own lunches. I was making my own plans. If I came home, didn't come home, didn't really matter. Um, and so I learned to be on my own and independent real fast. Um, my dad would probably share a different story, but that's my version of the story. <laughs> it's, I grew up real fast. And also made a declaration that like, I want a different life. 
right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want this life. And so mm-hmm. that's when I started becoming really independent and uh, I'm never going to depend on anyone else to take care of me. Um, not in a healthy way, but right. that's what happened. And so I went to college, I graduated uh, in three and a half years with two majors and a minor. I took my first job two weeks after graduating. I was just like, I am on my own. I'm going to do this. Um, And so a lot of it started as a genesis of my mom passing away and me feeling like if I I have to do it on my own, Um, Mm. I don't have anyone. It's just me. True or not. That's what I thought. How how did you, I mean, you mentioned kind of the presence of miracles in your family, right? So there was a, there was a faith element to your childhood. There was a faith element even in your relationship um, with your mom and, and the, you know, the, the disease. How did, how did being independent and trying to make it on your own, how did that interact with your relationship with God? How did you um, kind of reconcile with God after her passing? Oh, I didn't. Um, yeah. I left the church for a long time. Um, prior to my mom passing away, uh, we were, you know, Wednesday night churchgoers, Sunday churchgoers. Um, but I don't think my dad could bring himself to go back without her. And Mm. so he stopped going. Um, so we stopped going and I did not go back to church until I was probably 23. So it was a, it was a long eight year separation where I just, I'm not going to say I left God, but I definitely left my faith. Yeah. Uh, it was not, I was not an active participant the rest of high school, all through college. Uh, the idea of going to church in college, I'm like, well, it's going to interfere with being hungover. Like that's going to interfere with right. my party plans. Um, and that, that's, that's how I was, or it's going to interfere with my travel plans or, uh, you know, these people are prude, right? I had a lot of that in my life of like, mm, yeah, no thanks. And then, uh, when we started our first company, this was after I call it, uh, after college and graduated, we started our first company. Um, I was living in San Francisco as a part of one of our opening markets. And I was dating a guy that I met in San Francisco and he invited me to come to church. And it was as simple as, Hey, I'm going to church on Sunday. Do you want to come? And I said, you go to church? And he said, yeah. <laughs> huh? Uh, yeah, I'll come. I'll come with you. And I walked into those doors and I never walked out. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. What you kind of talked about um, starting your first company. That's, that's, is that where you met Rory? Is that where you met your now husband? So that's, 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 that was Southwestern family of companies, right? So Southwestern family of companies and our company was Southwestern consulting. Yeah. And, for those of you that don't have any context, if you have ever had a college student knock on your door in the summer trying to sell you books door to door, that was that was Southwest. They were the largest seller of books, right? Like that was kind of yeah. their claim to fame. And it's like this baptism by fire of what it means to be a salesperson, right? Like 100%. And 100%. so did you enter the company as a sales rep for the books? Is that kind of your entry point into sales and the business world? Actually, little known fact about that. uh, No, uh, my best friend growing up was a guy named Dustin. 
uh, who at Southwestern, uh, where they were selling books door to door, he was the all time sales record holder. And I guess now 165 years, Rory, my now husband, was the all-time recruiting record holder. So in addition to selling in the summers, you could recruit other students on campus to come and be on your teams, kind of like a you know, multi-level marketing kind of direct sales. Not that, but similar. Yeah. And Dustin had recruited me to come sell one summer and I had signed up and then my dad got wind of what was happening and he called Dustin. He goes, if she does this, I will kill you. And so Dustin called me. He said, I don't think you're going to get to sell books this summer, um, which says a lot. And my dad did not let me sell books with Dustin, but did let me travel and internationally and live in Mexico by myself, if that gives you some context of on there. Somehow um, sales was worse than that. Yes. And so I did not. Uh, but Dustin was also the one who, you know, three years later recruited me to starting this company with my now husband, Rory, and another gentleman named Gary. I still, for the life of me, can't figure out exactly why I was recruited to be a founding team member of this sales company. I had never sold anything in my life. I was an uh, art and Spanish major. And it makes no sense other than God was up to something. Um, it makes no sense why he thought of me. It made no sense why the investors approved it. It made no sense why I said yes. It just made no sense. Uh, I had no idea what I was actually signing up for until we got there. And I'm like, oh, wait, what? Um, but I'd already said yes, <laughs> signed the paper. <laughs> So I was there. Um, and so I really got indoctrinated into sales uh, as an entrepreneur. And, you know, my our very first year in sales, I think I made $24,000. I still couldn't even pay all my own bills. And my dad was like, I'm sorry, you're doing what? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's like I couldn't even pay my own car payment. And you're in and San Francisco? In San Francisco. Yeah, that's that's like $12 in Indiana. Yeah, I, not. Not, not That's really. what our parents said to us when we were going into ministry and we were bringing home like 14K a year. We're like, yeah, this is this is what you're God's doing. call. So when I, you, when you enter into that space of like, okay, just totally fascinating. Now being on this side of your life and knowing like what you've accomplished and gone like all over the world and what you do, like, can you share really your perspective of maybe like head and heart when you were beginning this new journey as a Spanish art major into this new world, really what's still probably, um, I'm assuming a, a somewhat of a broken heart of like trying to discover what adulting is. Um, did you find identity in the midst of that? Uh, yes, my work was my identity. Uh, problematically. And, you know, one of the things I would say that I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. Um, the relationship with our former company ended, ended bittersweetly. Um, I'm sure I'll get to that briefly. But what I, what I learned about sales in those early days is the greatest gift of my professional life um, learning the art of selling is what has made me a successful entrepreneur, leader, and business person. Uh, building uh, a little bit of a rejection-proof mindset of realizing they're not saying no to me. They're saying no to my services right now. That doesn't mean they're going to say no later. It just means they're saying no right now. And that just came through 
absolute repetition. And mm. I don't think enough of us get enough of that today to to take it lightly when someone says no. It's easy to, <laughs> to not worry about it if you're making a hundred attempts a day. But when you're only making a few and they're all or no, it feels heavier. And so I had the blessing of repetition and uh, a lot of rejection that get, got me really thick skin in the business world. Um, and there were there's uh, so many blessings in going, just do it again, just do it again, just do it again, just do it again, that really propelled us forward of going, it's going to catch, it's going to catch. It's like riding a bike. Like you may fall off the first hundred times, but eventually you're going to stay on. And it's going to catch and you're going to go. And the better you get, the faster you go. Um, But it takes time. You're not going to do it the first time. And that is what happened in sales, which gave us the confidence of going, if we can figure that out, surely we can figure out this next thing. And realizing you don't have to know everything to move. You don't Mm. have to have it all figured out to to start. And that all started in sales of going, okay, step one, I just got to pick up the phone. Step two, I got to get someone on the other line. Step three, I got to get them to set an appointment. And then after that, I'll figure out the rest, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, um, and uh, such, a, such a gift and a blessing. The challenge with that is also in order to do that, it's all I did. Um, so uh, yeah. the first 13 years of my professional life, uh, it was about ambition. It was about growing. It was about revenue. It was about net profit. It was about income. It was a lot of that. Um, And it it took over inadvertently, unintentionally. It took over. And I looked up one day and I realized, oh my gosh, it's been 10 years since I've really had a a friend that was outside of work. And, you know, uh, everything took precedent. It was work work first. And even though I've had a good established relationship with the Lord at this phase in my life, it was it was work first, profits first. It was business first. And I think for about a, about 10 years, about a full decade, I missed every wedding, every baby shower, every birthday, every anniversary that there was. And then I uh, wondered, why don't I have friends? <laughs> I don't right. know. Well, you have to be around to have friends. Those, those people require time and attention. And all my time and attention went to my clients. And so my entire worth and identity kind of got tied up into this title and this income and this perceived glamour of getting to travel around the world and speak and consult and being in Fortune 100 boardrooms. And you look up one day and you go, and so many people say this, like, oh, man, I thought this would feel different. Mm. Uh, I thought this would mean something different. And I thought at some point I'd have a little more time or I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, and I thought wrong. I was wrong. And uh, then I had kids and, or our first child, Jasper, at the tenure at our previous company. And I I started making changes and those changes weren't welcomed. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those changes were, oh, well, business isn't first anymore. And then that led to a series of uh, other changes that led to May 4th of 2018, uh, which I, I call my saving day, um, but I got fired. I got real publicly uh, fired, uh, super fired, and was sudden and not sudden all at the same time. And I walked into a perceived budget meeting and uh, left unemployed. 
and didn't see it coming and saw it coming all at the same time. And I, I remember sitting in this meeting uh, in this day and there, it was a very short meeting, ironically. And <laughs> they, they told me it's your last day. Um, your services are no longer needed here. And as soon as they said those words, uh, I heard a voice from God and I knew it was from God because if you know me, you know, I would never say this. I was like, please tell me you flipped a table. Like, (laughs) tell me no tables got flipped in this moment. Table. I heard God saying, keep your mouth shut and let this happen. I don't keep my mouth shut. And I usually don't just let things happen. And I knew it was from God because I knew I would, I knew that wasn't me. And he said, keep your mouth shut and let this happen. And I did. And they said that. I didn't say a word. I got up, I got my bag and I was walking down the hallway. And before I hit the doors, before I hit the doors, all my contacts had been erased. All my team had already been notified. And then I realized, oh, this was planned. This was well planned and executed. And the truth is I had wanted to leave many times before and never had the courage to do it because I was making too much money. And had a too much perceived responsibility of all these people I had recruited and hired and thought somehow I was responsible um, to stay for these people. And so I didn't leave because I was comfortable, really comfortable. And God stepped in and he intervened when I didn't have the courage to do what I knew I should do. And he did it for me. And it looked real different when he did it. My income went to zero. And then two weeks later, Rory resigned and his income went to zero. And life looked really different. And for the first time in a long time, I could breathe. Mm. And people go, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that happened. I'm so sorry. And I go, no, 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 no. Don't be sorry. This was my saving day. I believe if this had not happened, I would have likely never left. And that means uh, BBG would not exist. That means this new life that we've created would not exist. It, it means everything we've done in the last five years would not exist. The family we've created all started as a, a literally as a ripple effect of that event that day. And it was humiliating and embarrassing and shameful until I realized this was a gift. And I'm so grateful for it now. Getting a 30,000 foot perspective, there's like this theme in your life of sudden loss and then bootstrap moments. But this is what is so beautiful in this, AJ. One is how you started this conversation of entering 40 in your healthiest self. Um, understanding um, generational trauma, what is ours to own and what is ours not to own. But this time, that sudden loss wasn't a bootstrap moment. It was a transformation moment. And for those who may not be familiar, you guys journey into creating um, Brand Builders Group, which um, just I I know you have your more perfect tagline, but really what I, it's, you guys are this beautiful partnership to help 
entrepreneurs be their best selves and you help us find our brand DNA and you help us figure out how to put ourselves out there in very vulnerable, successful ways, whether that's being authors or speakers or, you know, business leaders, whatever. But like, it feels like you paid a different kind of price in a way to become your best self. And so there's probably somebody listening that is like, okay, like this girl has got some real stuff and she's been through a lot of stuff and yet she loves her job today. She loves her children when they're not getting kicked out of school and she loves her husband. And so if the question could be, this is so multi-layered, so it's kind of an unfair question, but in its simplest form, what was different this time? Um, in all honesty, it was God-led. That, that's the difference. I mean, the, I mean, I could not begin to tell you the craziness of the events that began the day that I was fired, uh, starting with my two right hands, uh, who also happened to be females at our former company also got fired simultaneously. Um, we were all too close that I could not have been fired without them being collateral damage. Um, Mm -hmm. and they got fired. And on that very day, I had my phone, you know, my contacts were gone and someone called me and I have no idea who this is. <laughs> so I don't, I don't answer calls from people I don't know. I just don't. And so I texted back, so sorry, who is this? And her name is Elle. And she was like, what do you mean? Who is this? It's Ellen. And I was like, oh, you can call me now. And she picks up the phone and she was like, did you know? I was like, no, what? She goes, did you know I was getting fired? And I was like, you got fired? And I said, I just got fired. And she was like, what? Um, mm. and so we, we met up for coffee and, uh, she was, yeah, you had nowhere to go. I mean, you didn't have a job. You could go get some coffee. <laughs> time now, got lots of social time now. <laughs> and we met up for coffee in 12 South in Nashville, Tennessee. And we're walking down the street. Uh, it, it may have been a drink, not coffee. I can't remember, but I'm going to say coffee <laughs> and we're walking down the street and we're walking by this restaurant called Taqueria del Sol. And mm. this woman literally stands up, runs out the door, opens the door, walks over to us. And at this point, Ellen is crying on my shoulder and I'm probably crying with her, just trying to console her. And this woman said, can I pray for you? And I was like, yeah, yes, you can. (laughs) Absolutely. And she started praying. And what she was praying is, I know something has happened, but God wants me to tell you that he has a plan. Wow. And we just stopped and we looked at each other and we were like, why did you come out here? And she said, I saw you. And God said, get out there and tell them I have a plan. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And that was on May 4th. And on May 6th, two days after I got fired, um, we get a call from a friend not a good friend, just an acquaintance named Lewis Howes. And Lewis is uh, now a New York Times bestselling author. He's got one of the top 50 podcasts in America. He's a um, keynote speaker, you know, all the things. But we had met Lewis during my husband Rory's first book launch, Take the Stairs, back in 2012, 2012, I think. And uh, it was a cold PR pitch to be on Lewis's podcast back then before his podcast was as big as it is today. 
And uh, him and Rory had just casually stayed in touch. And when Lewis launched his first book, Rory was like, hey, I'm happy to tell, tell you what we did, how we did it. Um, this was not our business. We just said, we'll share what we did. And we had kind of helped Lewis with that. I don't know how much of it he used and just had casually stayed in touch maybe once or twice over the last like five years. This is not like, this was not a friend. This was a casual acquaintance that we say friend. Um, he calls us on that day, May 6th and said, Hey, I'm finally making time for this. I have been meaning to call you guys for months. I do not know why, but I keep getting this prompting that I'm supposed to call you guys and ask for your help. Now, Lewis specifically at the time was not a, a, a religious person. And, and we're like, what do you need help with? And he goes, my business. I need help with my business. I feel stretched. I feel distracted. I feel diluted. I feel like I'm saying yes to everything. And I don't know why, but I keep getting this nudge that you guys are the ones that are supposed to help me. Wow. And we're like, what? Uh, and then we were like, well, we have a lot of time on our hands right now. <laughs> you want to come to Nashville? <laughs> we are here. And so he did. Uh, the next week, he flew out to Nashville, Tennessee on a whim, spent two days with us in our basement. Uh, and at the end of those two days, uh, Lewis said, guys, this is why this happened. This is why this is happening. This is your new business. This is what you're supposed to be doing. If you can do for others what you did for me in two days, like, mm. this is it. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And mm. we were like, no, like, no, like, we no, like, we're not doing this. And he goes, listen, I have a mastermind in two weeks. If y'all can get together um, a business plan, I'd love to have you out and speak at the mastermind <laughs> business plan. We do not have a business. It's not our business. I'm just, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, the mastermind's in two weeks. I'd love to have you come speak at it and tell people about what you're doing. We're like, this is not what we're doing. And so we spent the next three or four days hiking, planning, and praying and coming up with our very first framework, which is now called the Brand DNA Helix. And so we did. Rory flew out to LA that very next week, two weeks after I was fired. And a day after he resigned, we presented at that mastermind, sold our very first two clients. Uh, took their credit cards on pieces of paper, very secure. I had to <laughs> call our bank. So much. I, I had to call our bank and be like, so how do you process a credit card? And they were like, why do you need to know? <laughs> well, I've got this thing going. And uh, then Lewis said, if y'all can be ready, I want to have you on the podcast. I want to help you launch your business. Mm. And he said, uh, let's set a date. Um, so it was July 27th, uh, that same year. We're talking two months later. And all we had time for in that you know six-week process was to create content. And so we launched our business on his podcast with an, unstyli an unstylized landing page with a white background with a picture of me and Rory, a few sentences with a big orange button that said, request a call here. Very, <laughs> very credible, reliable, and professional. But you know what? That one podcast generated over a thousand leads for our non-existent business oh. and a half a million dollars of revenue. Wow. And that is how we started Brand Builders Group. And so when people say, why'd you start this company? I'm like, we did not. God did. God did. Well, what, God what did. A I, uh, I don't even know that I've shared this publicly, but 
you know, when we moved Rory and AJ and I go back 13 years uh, to their, their wedding, uh, I, I performed their wedding ceremony. Uh, they wanted Blake Bergstrom. He was not available. So they got me. Um, but it was I, a beautiful yeah. rooftop wedding. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, but um, when the church closed, we moved from Nashville to Indianapolis in 2015 to start Hope City. The church closes in April of 2022, and we have no idea what we're going to do. It was unexpected. It was it was the death of a dream. Mm-hmm. And so we go to this life plan, and we kind of come up with this idea. We've been doing this marriage ministry on the side for the last you know 10 years. We have a book. We have contacts. We can make this full time. And so we, but we don't want to just focus on marriages. We want to focus on relationships because we're not just marriage experts. We want to be relationship experts and we want to go as broad and as wide as possible. And we just thought, well, we'll just flip this switch from part-time to full-time and revenue will just start flooding in. You know, we'll just start, um, you know, we'll start this ministry and it's just going to be self-sustaining from day one. And on day like 961, it wasn't (laughs) like, no, it was like, you know, like, three months later, it it was, it was not doing well. And, and, um, and so I texted Rory and I said, I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, give me a call. So we, we talk on the phone and I shared with him just what I just shared about the church closing and, and you guys had given to the start of the church. So it wasn't like you were uninvolved or uninvested. And it was embarrassing. Yeah. It was so embarrassing. As a leader, it's just so embarrassing. And But what I, what I loved about it is because of what you guys had been through at Southwestern, there was empathy. He knew exactly how I felt. It was a different, different industry, right? One was a church, one was in the business world, but he's like, I'm going to send you some stuff. I want you to do exactly what I say. And we did, you know, and I think, you know, two or three weeks later, we got our first coaching client. Um, you know, from that, from that process, well, obviously we've been coaching couples for years, but it was never strategic. It was never mm-hmm. as a part of a bigger picture of wanting to help couples holistically. And it shifted. And I think having gone through what you guys went through, you were perfectly positioned to speak into not just the position we were in as leaders, but more the emotional condition we were in as you know, two people that were trying to start something that had an eternal purpose and it failed. Um, and then we're kind of left with what is next. And so, you know, just the, the way that you guys have come alongside us over the last, you know, six months to a year. Well, I joined Brand Builders just as a singular person and literally came in the doors and I was like, I don't even know how to talk about myself. I don't, I don't know who I am. I don't, I mean, I know I love Jesus. I know who I am in him, but like, I don't know my life. And, um, I just, what I love about you and Rory and your story, it makes me a little emotional, but I'll, I'll keep it together is you are in a very high professional profile and the people that you work with, but you also are connected to people who are like me, who are walking in going, I don't know. I mean, I've been doing professional stuff for a long time, but I still don't know who I am. It's very like disheartening. But with brand builders, you would think it's just about the brand, but really is what you teach is how to love yourself, honor your vision and your giftings, 
and then discover how you use that to change the world. And I just, one, I want to honor you in that and thank you for that. But at the same time, there is somebody who's listening that is just, I call it the second half of Job's life. Like I've kind of been known to say what we've been through over the past couple of years. I'm like, God, Job had a second half. Where is the second half? But it's, it's really, it's never about the second half. It's about life transformation. What would you say to someone who is in that, feels like they've just been fired from their marriage ending? or feel like they've been fired of a miscarriage, you know, fired from a dissolved relationship that they felt like they had built so much into and they just don't even know the next step. Um, it's kind of, we like end our time together. What's a word of encouragement you would give to them? Oh, so good. And um, I have so many, but the thing that immediately came to my mind is, you know, I remember in the early days of, you know, there's been lots of interesting traumatic events in my life. I was a part of a really horrific life-changing car accident uh, when I was a little girl, little girl, I was seven. And then my mom dying when I was 15. And then my dad remarried um, and it ended dramatically and traumatically. She left and uh, just never came back. Um, and then my brother just re recently went through a very unexpected uh, divorce that's been heartbreaking for our whole family. And I was fired. And so there's been lots of these things. And one of the things that I have learned is that myself included, what we all tend to do is ask why, why is this happening? Why did this happen? Why did God let this happen? Why are all these things happening to me? And what I learned through not just one horrible event, lots of them is that's just the wrong question. It doesn't matter why, and I really believe we're not we're not going to know why this side of heaven. Um, that's not for us to know, and it's the wrong question. And so, my advice, my word of encouragement, would be to just pause instead of asking why. Ask what is God trying to show me mm. about myself, about my heart, about my past, my present, my future, and what is He trying to teach me? Because I believe that when God allows things to happen, it is always for our good, even though it, when it doesn't feel good, uh, I needed to be fired. <laughs> Let's just be clear. <laughs> I needed that. My heart needed it. I needed a humbling. I needed a clean slate. I needed to do over. Mm -hmm. uh, I needed a reckoning. I needed someone to go, woman, what were you doing? <laughs> uh, I needed that. And God knew I needed it. I didn't want it. I needed it. That's and your next uh, book title right there. <laughs> I needed to be fired. That'll fly right off the shelves. Then <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, it was like one of those crazy things of like, God, like I, I remember praying this then and often now it's like, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me? And if I just pause and ask myself that question, it's something usually pops up. It's rather by going to the word or going on a walk or having a conversation. But if I just stay focused on what God, what are you trying to teach me? Mm. What are you trying to reveal about you and about me in this situation? My stance changes, my focus changes, my energy changes, everything about me changes from why me to what God, mm. what do you need me to know here? And what do you, what do you want me to do? And it's, that's, it's, it's a two part thing. It's like, what do you need me to know? And then what do you want me to do about it? 
So and good. that changes everything because for the most of us, the divorces don't happen overnight. Uh, neither does getting fired. Neither does a business separation or a, a, a dream falling apart. They don't happen overnight, just like success doesn't happen overnight. There is always a string of things and events that have occurred over the course of time that led to something, good or bad. Yeah. And we want to stand up and go, why? Instead of going, what? That's good. <laughs> what are you trying to show me? What do I need to know? Uh, and what do you want me to do about it? That's good. AJ, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for just sharing your story. It's so powerful and so encouraging and um, just grateful to have you as a part of our lives. We're grateful to be a part of Brand Builders. And uh, thank you so much just for uh, being a part of the Let's Get Real podcast. Oh, my gosh. You guys are such a blessing to us, too. And um, and I would just I would compliment you guys uh, on this and, you know, for all the work that you guys are doing in addition to marrying us. Um, I I think also, but I will be honest, it's like having you guys marry us was also such a gift because you know what it's like to be through the trenches of marriage. Mm -hmm. And you also know what it's like to be disciplined and persevere through the hard times to make it out on the good. And that was such a gift in our premarital stage and in our marriage of going like, it, it, it's a commitment and it's a discipline and it's a choice. And also because you guys have channeled it in. Um, and we know you because of the strength of your marriage. It was really easy for me to think of you when I knew someone who needed it. Mm. And, you know, that's a, a testament of it's what we teach and what we do at Brand Builders Group, but it's also what you guys are living, right? It's because mm. of the brand that you're building, because of the work that you do, because of your story, that when I knew someone who was in desperate need, it was like, I know who you need to talk to, I know mm. who you need. Um, and so for whatever it's worth, what you're doing matters and being known for that makes it easy for people like me to go, I know who can help you. So thank, thank you. you for what you guys are doing too. Thank you. As we close this episode, I want to encourage you, if you are looking for transformation in your marriage relationship, be our guest at the Refinus Weekend Experience, May the 3rd through the 5th of 2024 in Nashville, Tennessee at the Virgin Hotel. It's going to be an incredible weekend for you to transform your heart and the heart of your marriage. To find out more information, just go to refineus.org slash weekend. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Let's Get Real podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.